Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, we're getting an update from Christy. You probably remember Christy from many of the other case study updates that we did all last year in 2021, and we're going to keep tracking things along here in 2022. Christy, how's it going today? Hey, it's going pretty well. How are you? Hmm? Doing pretty awesome, and we are in early February right now, and we're going to do a quick little update for January and really set the stage for the year. When we were texting back and forth to set this up, you mentioned that you've been a little busy. You know, you do these websites on the side for fun. And why don't you tell us why have you been busy? Yeah. So I have another company that I run, which got pretty busy in January. And at the same time, uh, we'd mentioned last year that I got a copywriting contract as part of the affiliate site. And uh, that picked up at the same time. So between the two of those, I almost couldn't work on the site at all. So that's both good and bad because the site still earns. And a little bit worse because I had a lot I wanted to do for the month. All right. And can you talk about the contract a little bit? So it's a the copywriting contract. So it's a company that is in the industry and you made a connection with them and then they just kind of organically happened. And it's pretty amazing. Can you just talk a little bit about the work you're doing or whatever you can sure. share? Sure. So it's a apparel brand for my niche and they found me through the website and we're going to just do kind of a normal product review type type situation. And the more we talked, the more we were like, oh, we like each other. And so they mentioned they didn't have any in-house copywriters. And I was like, send me the copy. <laughs> we'll do we'll do the thing. So now I'm on a monthly retainer writing a lot of their emails and social media captions. Very cool. And it's a pretty significant amount of money just in general. Mm -hmm. And I think you shared it in a previous interview, but it's like several thousand dollars, right? Yeah. So it's a $4,000 a month retainer of which I'll probably keep around 3000 because I have another gal helping me with some stuff. But yeah, it's a notable uh, contract that I would kind of attribute to the site. I don't count it in the earnings that we track, but really that's another, you know, 40,000 probably that I would say the site brought me this year. That's amazing. Yeah, pretty significant amount, <laughs> <laughs> significant amount of money. And that's something to keep in mind, like just the opportunity that popped up that would not have been there at all. So right. let's talk about the revenue and traffic for January and... I'll, I'll just ask you, you know, what was it? How did you feel about it? Was it what you expected? Sure. So the traffic ended up around 109,000, which was actually up 3,000 from December, um, but down from, you know, kind of like our, our prime time of last year. So I feel okay about it. I'm glad that it's not lower than December. Um, but that's a pretty standard amount. I'd like to be back up into the 120s sooner rather than later. Um, but some of the things that we'll talk about today should get that done. And then earnings-wise, I ended up at 4900 for the month, um, which is obviously quite a bit down from our very peak last year, which was November at 9000 
However, it's also um, quite a bit up from January a year ago. That was 3,600. So all things considered, it's good. It's not as good as where we'd been landing last year, but January is a weird month and we can talk about that. Sure. We, and, and I'm glad you mentioned the January earnings from last year. That's a great reference point. And what did you say? About 3,500 and 36, now it's- yeah. Okay. So that's pretty amazing. And did you earn anything from your digital uh, products at all, the course or the eBooks? For this month, I earned about $45 from the digital guides. Okay. And with the courses, which we'll get into a little bit more, is there any, you know, active promotion? Could someone purchase it right now if they wanted to? So they can purchase it anytime. However, we're only planning on doing like a quarterly re-release. And so that'll be at the end of the quarter. All right. Okay. So let's get into the overall plan for the year and what you envision for people that, well, it's, it's only you and I that know the process behind this. So you actually put together a presentation last year as we were getting started and you did it again this year, just to like set the stage and probably get some thoughts out of your head, things that you were wanting to do and just write it down, get it into, I mean, you put it in a really nice presentation. So it's great to look through those. It's like, it's like you're proposing um, like a business plan, like it's, it's right. that detailed. So what did you have on the list? And then what did you distill it down to? Sure. So for this year, I've gotten it down to kind of a three-part approach to essentially doubling the site, which I don't say doubling the revenue and I don't say doubling the traffic. It's more this year doubling the amount of content. So the first part is the biggest, which is doubling the number of articles. So I want to do 400 new articles, ideally by the end of Q2, which feels ambitious, but is possible. So that's the biggest piece. And I have a couple other smaller categories of types of content I want to add, like another holiday sprint, for example, later in the year. So that's the biggest first piece is new content. Second piece will be improving existing content. So since I have about 400 articles already, how can I make those articles more lucrative? So that'll be working with you a lot. Hope you're excited to figure out which of those articles to focus on and then making a really concrete process that I will put those articles in through to improve them and hopefully get them ranking higher on page one or from page two to page one. And then the third piece will be selling more of my own products. And the goal for me there is to have 10% of my revenue be from my own, uh, my own products versus affiliate or ads for the year. So that feels like a lofty goal as well, since I only plan to have the existing course that we have plus um, one new course and probably, I think, four guides. So uh, that's a lofty goal. But then again, that's possible too. I have the whole year to figure out how to do it. So um, those are the three main pieces. So new content, improving existing, and then selling more of my own products. 
So that's the big picture plan for 2022. Perfect. And if you had to ballpark it, what percentage of your own products did you sell last year from a revenue perspective? So I think you made about (laughs) 75,000 last year. Yeah, way less. Okay. Oh, I don't even know. Like 2%? Probably. Something like that. Because yeah. I know in, I think it was November, you launched the course in a serious right. way and you brought in like $1,000, $1,100 or something? Yeah, where it gets a little fuzzy is whether to count everything that I put into the course, in which case I probably made nothing. Um, so yeah, it's hard to tell. But now that the course is already made, all it's really costing me is like 120 bucks to run Teachable every month. So, okay, got it. And as we look at improving the existing content, I'm curious did you have a mechanism in place already where you were going back and improving content or adding to it or anything like that? So, there were a couple of points in the last, it might have even been 2020, where you and I did a bit more of that. And then I just got out of the habit of doing it. So most of the old content has just hung out. Um, so I could easily do some of the things that are like adding new FAQs or, you know, just kind of freshening up the content or adding more to an existing article. So I have not been doing that regularly. So that's a that's a new habit I'll have to get into. It's tough. It's always easy just not to do that. But mm-hmm. the, the, more, the more I hear about it and the more I test it out myself, it seems to work really well. So let's talk about these 400 articles that you're planning on publishing. Where are they going to come from? Are you going to write sure. them all? So I have a running list that I've been kind of building up of topics. So I have hundreds, if not 400 already, probably close of topics that I can already go after, which is great. Um, I plan on using all Upwork writers for that. So it'll probably be 10 to 20 people, I would imagine, to get that done in the amount of time that I want. And then I'm also going to be doing a new thing of having a content manager for the first time, which is exciting. That will be a writer that I've worked with in the past from Upwork, and she's excited to take on more. So ideally, I'm going to have her in a role where she's creating the outlines for the writers, where she's even hiring them, you know, looking at their first initial pieces, things like that, doing the first pass of like Q&A on an article that we get back, and then handing it over to me. And so hopefully that'll take a lot of kind of the day-to-day management off of my plate, because sometimes I don't have that kind of time. Right. And at some point it gets pretty boring. I mean, now, was there anything holding you back from hiring a content manager slash editor in the past? So I just wasn't doing the quantity of new content last year that I felt like I needed one. So I was more so dribbling in new, new articles or guest posts or things like that. The holiday sprint was only 25 pieces. So things like that were pretty manageable. But I know that you know, if we're talking about hundreds of articles, there's just no way I can do that with another job. And nor would I really want to, like you said, like I've done that for the first 400. So I'm all good. Yeah. And and that's a good point. Like you literally did that for every one of the previous articles, right? Right. Yep. Okay. And are you nervous about turning that over to someone else now because you've done so much of it in the past? 
I am, but it's really the only way. (laughs) And I plan on having, there's another gal that I work with for my other job that may want to actually help some too. And so I'd feel probably more comfortable giving her um, like inputting stuff into WordPress, right? Or maybe even pulling in affiliate links. Like she's really the only one that I would want in my Amazon account or doing things like that. So those are the pieces where I get a little bit more just concerned about having people putting articles in yeah, I just don't like a bunch of people in WordPress. Um, So yeah, so I may divvy up the work a little bit. Um, But for the most part, you know, since this writer's worked with me for a couple of years now, that's going to be the content manager. She kind of knows what I'm looking for. I know it's not going to be the same as if I did it. But then again, it's also not going to take me the time of if I did it. (laughs) Right. And hopefully, I mean, in this specific case where you're training the person, probably like right off the bat, she won't do a better job than you, but people may be surprised how smart other folks are if you let them do yep. stuff and just, you know, they come and up with better ideas. So, yeah, she's so easy to work with that I, like that's the biggest thing for me is, can you put in the time and follow a process? Because I'm going to spend a lot of time on her like training materials and making, you know, a checklist and doing all the things. So, I am willing to pull my weight up front to make sure that she's clear on what we're doing. Um, But then I think I can turn it over and feel pretty good about it. Here's a quick word from our sponsor, Niche Website Builders. And I'm pumped to bring these guys back on board as a sponsor. They helped me out a ton with one of my recent sites. Well, I say recent I think it's been about 18 months at this point since I started working on it, but they wrote most of the content and they did this fantastic link building campaign, the Shotgun Skyscraper campaign, and it was remarkable. It was basically a brand new site when they started working on it. And we got the domain rating as reported by Hrefs up to about 49. And I think that was in like six months or so. I mean, it was pretty remarkable. I basically had them start working on link building as soon as I started publishing content. And one amazing thing, and I'm going to talk more about this in an upcoming uh, sort of case study and and something we could follow along with, they were publishing 20,000 words of content for me each month. And we did that, I think for about eight months, something like that. It has been growing. I haven't published anything new in the last several months, but it's been consistently growing after publishing. And part of the case study that we're going to be working on is just pumping out a lot more content. And with all the informational content sites doing so well, that's what we're going to do. So more to come on that. But if you want to check out some of the stuff over at Niche Website Builders, I'd really appreciate it. It's great if you let them know that you enjoy the support that they give for this show and you can get my coupon code. So just follow the link in the show notes here and you can save 10% on the link building campaigns or if you get anything with content, they'll give you 10% more. So thanks a lot to Niche Website Builders and let's get back to the interview. One thing I need to correct you on is 
the fact that you don't need to let someone get into your Amazon account. That's crazy. You shouldn't do that. You can just use a, a standard format for the link. Mm, yeah, so you did tell me that years ago, didn't you? Yeah. So, and this is a misconception a lot of people have. They're like, well, I can't give access to this or that or whatever. And there's a lot of pieces in place where you don't have to give access. So there's, like I said, there's a format yeah. and a lot of people, they don't realize it, but many of the plugins, like the WordPress plugins yep. that help you add affiliate links will automatically do do that for you, which is how I figured it out. But okay. it's pretty straightforward. Yep, totally forgotten about that. Yeah. So yeah, no one should give access um, to other people to your Amazon account. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. So hiring people, I think that's going to be pretty awesome. And then another thing that we talked about off the record before was the fact that in Upwork, you can give someone management access so they can literally hire the team, manage the team, approve different pieces. You, I think there's different levels of authority that they might have, but essentially you could build an agency within Upwork and it, it's pretty amazing. So you've played around with it a little bit already? I did. So I set up a new team, I think is what they call it in Upwork and added the content manager to that team. I have are like my very first job posting recreated in that team now and waiting to post until I don't want to get a bunch of applicants before she's like up and running, but I have it in there sitting. And then um, I will say the different permissions were not quite as granular as I would have liked them to be. So it was kind of like, yes, you can pay everyone, if you want to have someone hire people, like I couldn't say, yes, hire people, but don't pay or yes, you know, run payments. It just, it didn't give me like all of the different options I would have liked. Okay. So I may just have to deal with it being a little more or a little less access than I wanted. Okay. And that, yeah, I can imagine it would be nice to have a little more control in different places, but at least you know the constraints now and you'll have to be creative on the solution yep. that you have. So, all right. Very cool. Next, we have uh, just other other things that are going on. So, what are some other big pieces? Uh, you're going to hire a lot of folks. Do you have a lot of keywords already? I do. So, I have a big list from, I think, maybe two years ago uh, when you and I did kind of a competitive analysis with a couple of different sites running some reports. And I went through and found kind of all the keywords at that point that I thought would be good. So I may add to it with some things that are a little more current, but honestly, these are keywords that aren't gonna really go out of vogue for my niche. So not too worried about having made the list early. Um, and yeah, I have I have hundreds of hundreds of topics to cover already. And some people might be thinking, hey, that list is, you know, potentially a couple years old. Why don't you do fresh keyword research? Why don't you get new search volumes? But you bring up a good point. Like at this time, you know, not only the niche, but the website and what gets traffic and what people are interested in. So the actual search volume probably doesn't matter as much. And you know, like you said, these are keywords that people are looking for. So, I mean, right. do you have any other th thoughts around that? 
Well, I just think if I were doing, you know, a small sprint of 25 articles, yes, I wouldn't want to be way more granular about picking which ones those are for doing something that's more quantity based. Not every one of these is going to be a winner anyway. So I'm kind of going for like, what's the next article that surprises me ranking really well. Like I have a couple of those that I thought were just kind of throwaways from the past and they ended up being, you know, some of my top 10 articles. So yeah, I just kind of feel like it's a quantity game this year. And, you know, if some of them land, I'll be in a good spot. So what else were you working on this past month, considering, you know, you really sure. were busy with other things? I did things. do some things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So one thing that I did that had been on my list last year, but I never got to, um, was acquiring a second small blog in January. So that was $1,000 of my expenses. So pretty much half of what I spent in January. And there were some other one-off expenses that aren't like monthly. Um, so I bought a very small blog that has, I would say 60 pieces that potentially could earn affiliate or ad revenue, but aren't right now on her site. So there's probably 160 articles that I technically bought with the site. But again, of that, there's a small subsection that I think I could actually work with and get, you know, actual content from. But it was someone who wanted to get out of running a blog. I could get it for cheap. And I've done it once before. So it was something where I felt like I could replicate that process and get things moved over and improved. And yeah, so that's a pretty that's a pretty fun update for January. I'd been wanting to do that again. And then before uh, you go on that we Oh, so go ahead. How did you arrive at the evaluation and price of $1,000? Is the site earning money? Does it get traffic? Mm -hmm. So I basically have a spreadsheet that I had her fill out with every detail about every post. So word count, topics, whether it had any kind of earning, you know, apparatus in it. She had never used the blog to earn money. So she didn't have ads on it. She didn't have affiliate stuff. Like it was just for writing. So there's nothing that I could say like, oh, it's earning $2,000 a year. And so, you know, she wasn't using it for that. So what I'm really buying is starter content and kind of her name and brand. So I ended up doing, I think, a weighted cost based on whether it was a post that I could potentially make money on once I fixed it. So is, is the site getting any traffic or was it? So it's getting very little traffic. Um, but again, I think her host, she let her host expire for a couple of months. Like it really wasn't something that she was focused on at all for the last probably year. So yeah, it's more of a project. Um, but there's a fair amount of stuff in there that I think I can work with. And we'll also, the other thing I did was include um, a number of emails to her list about whatever topics we want. She's keeping her Instagram, but a number of monthly posts to her audience. So those are all things that I plan to use for like our quarterly course promotions to reach a new audience that we don't have. So that's part of it for me. 
Um, those are all of our, our key target people. And so this gives us access to them too. Very interesting because it was a pure blog. Like you said, the person mm -hmm. was just writing and had no aspirations to earn money and in fact, didn't even try. Yep. So I'm, I'm curious, this will be very interesting because it could be the case where you go move the content over SEO it and you actually can get traffic because your mm -hmm. site has backlinks, right. it has existing traffic. There's like all these great pieces already in place and could be, you know, a very strategic, very positive impact, like very quickly. Um, how long will it take you to migrate the content over to your site? Sure. So what I plan to do is manually work on those 60 pieces that I think have the most potential. So current, I think I've mentioned in the past, my dad edits for me. So he's currently working through that list of 60 um, to do a first pass on just the content and getting it kind of cleaned up. And then for the remaining 100 or whatever articles, I'm going to have my developer move those over with some sort of magical developer exporter something. I don't know. Whatever. Not going to touch those. Um, so for the 60 that I do think I want to play with, um, I may end up counting those in my uh, 100 article goal of improving existing content. It may just be someone else's content. So I'm hoping that by the end of Q1 slash early Q2, because we're also going to have new content coming in, that those 60 would be up and running and improved. Perfect. Yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on that. Uh, that'll be a very interesting piece, whether it works or not. And yep. I think, you know, if we... We'll set up some Google Analytics reports so we can see those specific posts and, and know exactly what's happening. Thanks to Ezoic for sponsoring this episode, especially their new product, Leap. Leap provides everything from optimization features to diagnostics so that websites can pass core web vitals. It was built for publishers, and in fact, it's free to people that monetize with Ezoic. And it allows visitors to load pages instantly using Ezoic Cloud to serve new core web vital friendly ads using lightning fast server side Ezoic Edge technology. And basically Ezoic helps your site load faster and get those green core web vitals. And you can also simplify speeding up your site and cut the cost so you can optimize everything from code to content using the features designed to eliminate the need for costly third-party technology and plugins. And basically what happens, and this happened to me, you try to add more and more plugins to optimize to maybe minimize your CSS or minimize your JavaScript or something like that. And you end up with several different plugins and technologies, but basically you can just use Leap. And generally, and this is the stats that Ezo excites, the average site is able to remove 3.5 optimization features, technologies, or plugins, saving them $250 per year when they are using Leap for free. So thanks a lot to Ezoic and be sure to check out Leap. Yep. 
Okay. One area that I want to hear about is the the red sticky notes. So can you explain the concept for the people that didn't hear you mention it in a previous update? And sure. then uh, if you found any red sticky note items. Yeah. So red sticky notes for me, uh, it's part of a process where I use literal sticky notes <laughs> that are red, green, and yellow. And I put things that are going well on greens, one thing per note. I put things that are kind of okay, not great on yellows. And then the reds are all the things that kind of make me want to die. Um, they could be super small, right? The little like paper cut things, or they could be big things that aren't working. They can be team members. They can be pieces of content. They can be programs. They can be systems, like anything. And basically I do this exercise for myself probably a couple times a year, just whenever I feel like I need like, a fresh approach to the business, or if I'm feeling really stuck, it just helps me like visually see what's going on. So for January, one of the things I could do, even though I was busy, was literally work through some of those red sticky notes and get them off of my plate. So like literally tear them up and put them on someone else's plate. So I did that with things like um, checking monthly earnings from all of the affiliate programs in our knowledge directory, which are all of the courses that we promote that we're affiliates for. So that was taking me, I don't even know how long, but it was bugging me. <laughs> and, you know, because that's not a high earning thing, it was just bugging me more to do it. So instead of doing it multiple times per month myself, I've now moved that onto a team member's plate and said, you know, once per month, I've put all of the data into LastPass for you to get in everywhere. You check them once a month, just tell me what the answer is. So things like that um, are things that I've been kind of moving over so that I'm not kind of getting those same paper cuts like every month, you know? Yeah. So that's something I can do any time of the year. That's a great one to get rid of. I know there are a couple solutions out there for aggregating all the information, but I was talking to a friend recently and he mentioned that probably a lot of your affiliate programs are like this. They're just one-off small companies. Totally. It's not part of a marketplace. It's just no, an it's individual. it's not like share a sale. <laughs> So those are much tougher and there's yeah. no API, there's no integration. You have to manually yeah. log in. So, okay. The, as we are wrapping up here, uh, I want to talk about the knowledge directory. I know, you know, you just mentioned it here and that's, you know, one of the main reasons why you have to check all these affiliate accounts is because of the mm -hmm. knowledge directory and you have essentially online courses in the niche and you've done sort of a small blurb on each one. Yep. And that's why it's called the knowledge directory. So we've gone back and forth and debated a little bit, like how much time you should spend on it. Cause largely like you're, you're not really selling very many mm -hmm. of these products. Is it like one per month or something? Yeah. It's like 20 bucks a month I might make. Okay. And a piece of your plan here is to publish what you're calling feeder post for the knowledge directory. So can you talk about that? And sure. I guess what KPIs are you looking at to know if it's working? Sure. So my thought is, you know, generally I agree with you. I'm not going to pour a ton of money into something that's earning 20 bucks a month. However, on the flip side, I have not done anything 
to promote it, really. <laughs> so it's just kind of sitting out there anyway. I'm not that surprised it hasn't made a ton of money because how in the world would people know about it? So um, my goal for this year is to kind of cherry pick some of the higher commission, higher price tag courses that we're affiliates for, where I might make $100 off of a sale or 70 bucks off of a sale. Those would be worth it to me if I could get, you know, 10 of them a month, for example, like that would be pretty great. So cherry picking the courses that might have a greater return and then using my SEO research to make some articles that specifically would tie into promoting that course. So regular types of articles, but things that are related to the topic of a course that I want to sell for someone else, which is not something I've done before. The good thing about it, I think, is that in addition to promoting that course, like it's also just a good SEO article to have on the site. So it should be worth it for me regardless. And it just specifically targets people who are more like buyer's intent for that topic, which is the kind of traffic I need. I don't just need general people being like, oh, there's a bunch of courses here. Interesting. Right. I need someone who's like, oh, here's this one really like niche thing that I want to learn about. Well, then I want to feed them to my site and then feed them right to that course. So that's something I'm going to try. Who knows if it'll work? I certainly like that approach more than uh, like just spending more and more time Mm -hmm. trying to push the boulder uphill. So I have a couple a couple thoughts. Uh, Again, you brought up a good point that even if it doesn't help sell more, you have content that people are searching for. So that's great. Even if it doesn't work how you hope, a moderate amount of success would mean you're getting some traffic on that page. So that's cool. One little thing I want to throw in, I think this is a probably a fake story, but it's in books. <laughs> but you, you, hear, um, you hear about the story when uh, Warren Buffett talk to his uh, his pilot or something. Do you know this story? I don't know this story. So he talked, His they were cruising or something and the pilot came back and asked the secret to be successful or something. And Warren Buffett allegedly said to write down like the top 25 things you want to accomplish and then, you know, rank them in priority and basically focus on the top five and then do everything that you can to ignore the other 20 that mm-hmm. will that are good opportunities, but they are distracting you from the top five mm-hmm. or top three. Mm-hmm. You could put fill in whatever numbers you want. And it's a good idea, but it's a distraction. And what I'm generally trying to do personally is if it's if it's just like something that's okay, like I just want to get away from it. Even if it's a very good opportunity or thing, sure. I just want to get rid of it because I'm going to think that I'm doing a little bit just to help, but I'm, I'm better off focusing on the other stuff. So my thought potentially, I think you're probably going to move forward with what you just described, but it would be way fucking better if you focused on feeder articles for your courses because your margins on that are so much better and i would say if you can get you know quote feeder posts 
that mm-hmm. help you get the person on your email list. So we're talking something with a lead magnet, something yep. with a specific content upgrade, that would be even better. And if you can open up that funnel and just get a lot more people in there, that's going to pay off better. And then you won't even feel the need to go and check those affiliate programs because you're like, mm-hmm. I don't even care because I'm selling so many of my own course. 20 bucks a month, I'll check it once a quarter. Like it, it mm-hmm. won't even matter if you're selling your course enough. How much is your most expensive course and the second one that's going to be coming out? It'd be like 150 bucks. Yeah. So it's it's like a no-brainer to just sell your own stuff. Don't even worry about other people's stuff. So I'll plant that out there. I mean, okay. 25 articles is not, I mean, it's not going to uh, keep you from doing something if you, if you check it out for the sure. knowledge directory. Pretty low cost to do it overall and just a fraction of what you're attempting to do. So gotcha. technically mm-hmm. you could do both, but yeah, I would yep. say if you can get a lot more traffic targeting your own products, much gotcha. better. Well, and you did mention the email list there, which I don't think I mentioned in like the January update, but that is something that I want to do more of this year, which is like real targeted emails and actual drip cadence of you know, promoting courses or promoting good content that we have, things like that. Um, because our email list, I think, is up around 4,000 people, which feels pretty good. So if in the course of the year of doubling content, if I can also double the email list, that for me would be a big win. So when you're talking about things like lead magnets or doing things like that, like that's something that I should be doing this year for sure. And one other note you potentially can try to partner with people that either have email lists of their own Mm -hmm. or followings where, you know, no money changes hands, but you're cross-promoting. I've been experimenting with this in a few areas, mainly for the niche site project email list where there's uh, maybe my friends over at niche website builders, they have a big Facebook group and an email list. And I have other pieces of different platforms. So we're like cross promoting and talking about each other and it's, it's helping both of us. And I'm, I'm testing it out with like random different people and, you know, all usually not one of these things makes a huge difference, but like I can Mm -hmm. see over time, um, you know, a few hundred, um, more impressions over here and a few hundred over here, it definitely adds up over time. So that could be something, especially with the amount of traffic that you get. I mean, you have an email list that is more valuable than someone probably with, you know, three times as many Instagram followers, Mm -hmm. for example, because you, you can get in touch with them and the algorithm may impact an Instagram uh, account. So what are your thoughts on paid like sponsored email for courses. Like, is that something I should look into doing? Where where you pay someone to Mm -hmm. promote your course. I would, I would probably suggest you set it up as an affiliate situation. Mm -hmm. That's probably the easiest way to do it, but you potentially could put it up as, as a paid spot, but I usually find, and granted, I don't have a ton of experience, but I usually find like just a random ad for a product that's like 200 bucks. Like if it's, 
if it's presented as an ad and not as an affiliate endorsement, people will see it as an ad and they're, unless they really want it, they're probably not going to go and try and figure out like what it's all about. They're like, "Ah." yeah, I was thinking more like a dedicated email all about the course from that person. I, the only way to know is to test it out. Mm-hmm. That I usually charge a lot for those because I hate sending a dedicated mm-hmm. email, but your market is totally different. So you may yeah. be able to do it for much cheaper. It's worth taking a look yeah. at. Okay. I'm just trying to figure out, I guess, like, how am I covering the 120 bucks of Teachable a month that it costs me to even have a course out there? You know, like if I'm not covering that between the quarterly promotions, like, eh, it just feels kind of blah. Yeah. You basically have to send more emails out to sell it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you like quarterly is a good cadence and assuming, I, I'm, and it depends on how much you grow your email list, and but basically you sold what, like 10 Mm-hmm. Uh, seats last time so if you just do that every time like you should be good technically it should grow as you're mm-hmm. adding more people into your email list and potentially getting more traffic and tr- trying to open up yep. that funnel a little bit okay. um, other than that I mean and I think I, I mean I love the email marketing piece of it so I definitely like focus on that. So if I could just grow the email list, like, you know, you can sell more. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of ways to like grow the email list. It can be faster. Like I said, if you partner with people versus waiting for the organic SEO to kick in, that may, I mean, that's more consistent over time, but it may be, you know, four months before you get the articles published and they start getting significant Mm -hmm. more traffic. Right. So, All right. Well, any parting thoughts before we wrap it up? I don't think so. I mean, I think this is definitely kind of a build a build year. So I don't know how how different the earnings will be for the first couple of months. You know, like we'll just have to see. I put in the update, like ads are terrible in January. That's just how it is. But um, basically the site's just going to need to run itself while I'm busy making new content. So it's going to be what it's going to be. I'm not trying to do like a lot of precision work on the traffic or earnings right now. It just has to keep running while I'm doing all the other big stuff. So the benefit is it's made to do that. So it should be okay. Right. And as the pro uh, side of this, I mean, basically, whenever I've seen someone publish a lot of content, especially, you know, over a hundred articles and you know, a short amount of time or even like a year, a hundred articles mm-hmm. in a year, like usually people see pretty good results and you're going to be publishing, you know, potentially doubling the content in yep. six months to roughly 800 articles, something like that. Mm-hmm. So yep. I would expect, like you said, maybe it's a little flat for a bit, but I mm-hmm. would imagine it's going to open up a lot. And then as you roll into the retail season, most right. of the content will be mature, should be ranking. I mean, your site ranks pretty well for a lot yep. of stuff anyway. And yeah, I, I see it being uh, positive. I can't imagine it's not going to work out pretty yeah, it's, well. Yeah, it can't hurt for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it can't hurt. So, 
All right. Well, everyone, be sure to check out the blog post over on Niche Site Project for more details. And thanks a lot, Christy. We'll, we'll catch up in a few weeks. Cool. Thanks, Doug. Be sure to check out the blog post that Christy writes as well to accompany these updates. There are charts and graphs and other fun things like that. And if you are new to this case study, last year, Christy and I recorded monthly updates all through 2021 to track along with her 2X Accelerator case study. And before that, I interviewed her three or four times, just tracking her along the way. So if you haven't checked out those early episodes, it's pretty interesting to hear the you know three plus year journey starting very early. So if you're if you are in those early stages, you can kind of go and check out how Christy was thinking about things, some of the uh, different ideas that she had early on, and. She just got more confident as time went on as she was accomplishing things and reaching her goals. Before we wrap it up for today, I want to thank everyone who has sent feedback recently. There there have been a lot more people sending feedback, so I definitely appreciate it. And I have heard excellent feedback on the very short episodes that I've been doing. Apparently, I don't ramble as much which is good. And funny thing is I'm rambling right now. Some of the quote shorter episodes were still like 20 minutes long or so, but I published one recently that was under 10 minutes. I was a little bit in a hurry and I was just testing out like a new mobile recorder that I had while I had a few minutes in my truck. I wasn't driving. I was in a parking lot, but thanks everyone who has let me know what you think of those. And I think it's just a nice way to produce something pretty actionable. Hopefully it's actionable most of the time and short, very short. So I'm not sure if I'm going to do them every single week, probably not, but I would say you could probably expect two to three of those little bonus episodes per month. So they're obviously low production value. I just record, put a little music in the front and back and we're good to go. So if you have any questions or any topics that might be good for a short episode, shoot me an email, feedback at doug.show. Let's call it a day. We'll catch you on the next episode.